Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Those online with us, those in the room, really glad you're here. If we haven't met yet, my name is Matthew, one of the pastors, and it's a joy to stand here and open the scriptures. If you have your Bible, join me in Acts chapter 7. We're at the end of Acts chapter 7 today. If you have your Fresh Start Bible, you can join me on uh, page 956 of our Fresh Start Bibles. Uh, but if you've got something digital or a different version there printed, that's going to work just fine today. I want to uh, highlight a couple things in case you missed some of our uh, next step uh, announcements. Although I know nobody is ever late to church. You guys are always here like 10 minutes before. I, I know uh, I'm just rehashing something because you all heard it. Uh, but hey, all of our connect groups have launched last week and this week. And so if you have not uh, signed up or joined a connect group or even looked at them, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, there's something life-giving that happens in those gatherings and those places and those groups. And uh, we, we got to meet last night with a group that my wife and I are leading. And as we were there having some conversations, we actually got on the story. They were asking some questions about the, the story of the, the church, like how it started, where it's been, like has it always been here, where, all the things. And, and uh, this morning I was reminding myself of kind of the, the story a little bit as I was sharing it last night. And, and, it, and it struck me um, that this weekend, seven years ago, was the weekend Amber and I came in and preached uh, and ministered that Sunday and then interviewed. Uh, it was the most interrogating uh, Sunday of my life. Uh, everybody's like, who is this guy and why is he here? He doesn't wear normal boots. What is happening? Like it was, it was one of those Sundays seven years ago to this weekend and uh, it's been a wild fun uh, seven years, and we know God's got a lot of great things in store. And uh, one of the things that I do believe is true is that God has been and is continuing to move among, among our church family. Amen. In fact, today I actually want to talk to you from that subject a little bit, but a little bit of a different title. And I want to talk today on the subject of how to miss a move of God. How do you miss out? on a move of God. Now, I, I grew up in the church, and so I was, from a very young age, spent every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and several days in between uh, at church. It was just a normal part of my rhythm, my routine. I'm really grateful for that heritage, but uh, we grew up in an environment where uh, we talked an awful lot about the move of God. Like, we need to have a move of God, a revival, and we said these kind of churchy words a lot, and it's always interesting. Most of the time when people talk about having a move of God, we're, we're talking about some highly heightened experience, right? Like in our context, like if people weren't laying on the floor crying, if worship wasn't an hour and a half long and services weren't four hours and people weren't dropping the modesty cloths on everybody around, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you are blessed. Uh, we had people running the, the, the church building, doing Jericho marches and circling those things and tambourines and shofars and banners and flags, all of which are outlawed here at Faith Church. <laughs> if you want to know what's going to get you kicked out, that's a good starting point. These were the things. And so the more, if I could say, emotional experience we had, Oh, that was God moving. 
And I think that we can get lost in translation, even in our understanding of what is revival, what is a renewal, what is it that God wants to do, because I believe that Jesus is indeed the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe what we saw in the beginning of our study in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was the genesis of the church and the last days, and it was the genesis of a move of God that started and is still going. And it's had different expressions and different experiences and different renewals. And um, I have been in environments where there has been long worship and people experiencing God in deeply personal ways where, where I personally have been in environments uh, and experiences with God that are similar to some of the ones that I was joking about, but they were absolutely genuine moves of God. But I've also been in environments where they've been manufactured they've been manipulated, where they've been conjured up, where they've kind of been overdone. And, and there's a line somewhere in there. And oftentimes it comes to the posture of our heart and the pursuit of God and these things. But without a doubt, when we look at the scriptures, when God is moving, there is a genuine change where people move in their lives because they are part of the gathered people of God, where they move from being radioactive to becoming the radiant people of God. When there is a genuine move of God, there is a genuine work of the Holy Spirit and his power. Like, like there are those still things, and they still happen today, and we can still behold them and see them and experience them. And, 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 and I think that there is a genuine move. In fact, when, when there's a genuine move of God, you see people making repentance and walking into the waters of baptism. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate. It's next Sunday we're celebrating water baptism. Am I? Am I okay, thank you. My dates are all mixed up. I just know football's on every weekend, and that's a good thing. <laughs> but next Sunday, we're, we're going to do water baptism. People going public saying, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and, and my allegiance has been to myself, and my allegiance has been to, to the things of this world, but my allegiance is going to Jesus, and my faith and my hope is being placed in him, there's something of a move of God that begins with repentance and baptism and it transforms our lives and we, we become generous instead of selfish and, and we make sacrifices instead of being consumers and, and we begin to serve instead of sitting back waiting for others to do everything for us. We start pursuing God and this is God on the move in our midst and in our lives. And over the last seven years, we've certainly seen it here. And over the centuries, the people of God have seen it. And I believe we will continue to see it happen again and again until Christ returns. But not everybody recognizes the moves of God. Not everybody accepts a move of God. Not everybody is open to seeing God move. And today I want to articulate the difference between seeing a move of God and missing a move of God. Because I don't want us to miss one. I don't want you to miss God moving in your life. So what does that look like? Well, let's go to the scriptures, Acts chapter 7. And what you'll see, and remember from our previous week, is that Stephen, an early follower of Jesus, is now on trial for following Jesus. He's being persecuted. He's on trial. And spoiler alert, in case you weren't sure, he is about to die and become the very first martyr for his faith. 
And this is the account that we see some of the last moments. And, and we saw last week the, the story of God that he told as he gave an account for what he believed and how he was holding true to it and helping others see Jesus clearly through the story of God's people throughout the scriptures and history as he told it. And it was a beautiful articulation. And now he's on trial and he's wrapping it up. And here's what the scripture says. We're going to pick it up in verse 51. Acts chapter 7 says this, You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels, of messengers. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations. They shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with what? With that, he died. Let's pray. Jesus, this is your word. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate truth to us today? And Lord, would you help us make room in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our schedules, our priorities, our families? so we don't miss you moving among us. We ask this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit, and all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Radioactive people resist a move of God, while radiant people become reliable witnesses to God's moving. This is the primary mode and reason for which the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, let me rephrase that. This is one of the central core reasons why the Holy Spirit was given and poured out at Pentecost. So that you would be empowered to be Christ's witnesses. To, to be a reliable witness, somebody who could see God moving and verify and state and bear witness with their own lives, God's alive and he's still on the move. To, to be a reliable witness that says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. I was stuck in sin, but now I've been forgiven. I was alone and selfish, but I've been adopted and brought into the family of God. It, it's a story. And I think a move of God that is genuine does indeed bear fruit. While false moves of God often are, are just new fads and methodology and we can easily miss true encounters where, where, where false moves of God are built around human preferences and perspectives and opinions and tribal lines. 
I think a move of God moves us beyond all of those things to a deepening place of, of surrender. I think, I think a genuine move of God is seen in transformed lives, in, in true encounters with God's spirit and his power. We, we hear stories often. We, we heard one this morning that was shared in our, our, um, our huddle time. We hear stories often of people who have come to the church and to the gathered people of God and something they encounter that they've never encountered before. Genuine welcome and a warmth. A genuine sense of uh, feeling as if they're valued and seen and known. A a genuine sense that people care. Uh, They walk into the, the people of God's gathering, what we call church service, and they're seeing people um, encounter the presence of God in a personal way, and their eyeballs start to leak this fluid. <laughs> I quit wearing mascara to church, Pastor. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Like, we, where we come and we encounter the presence of God, and we have a hard time explaining what in the world was that but I like it and I want to come back. There's a different sense of God's moving, but ultimately it's in a transformed life. And I think that if we can best see a move of God, it really is in the contrast between a radioactive life and a radiant life. This radiant life of God, these, these people who have, are being transformed, those of us who have had faith come alive in us, and we've taken our next steps to belong to the family of God, to, to become disciples in the ways of Jesus, and, and we take a step to partner and build the kingdom of God everywhere we go as his ambassadors. This is what it means to be in faith church. This is what we're doing and we're seeing again and again and again. This, this week I was listening to uh, Pastor John Tyson, who pastors a church up in, in, in New York City, and he was talking about radical discipleship and transformed disciples, and, and he articulated this idea of a, a, um, of a compelling disciple on mission. And he articulated it in such a way that I was like, that's exactly what it looks like to be radiant. That's so much what it looks like to move from being radioactive to, to radiant. Here's, here's how he describes it. I, I want to show you this, this, this image, this picture. I just screenshotted it off, off YouTube. So sorry, John Tyson, if I'm breaking copyright laws. Uh, but, but I wanted to share this. What, what is a compelling missional disciple? What is, what is a, a radiant person of God look like? They're transformed in their mind because they believe what Jesus believed. They're transformed in their character because they're becoming like Jesus in what they say and do. They're transformed in relationships where they love as Jesus loved. They're they're transformed in their practices as they live the rhythms that Jesus lived and priorities that Jesus lived. They're transformed in service as they minister to others as Jesus ministered to others. They're transformed in their influence so they lead others like Jesus led. If you want to know what the agenda is for Faith Church in your life, it's that right there. What does it look like to see God move in your personal life and among us? It's a group of people that look like that. A group of people who are growing, as I said in the last few weeks, in the image and the stature into the fullness of Jesus Christ. 
people who are growing to look more like Jesus and less like the world in which they were living in. People who grow to look more like Jesus than the family system that they were born in. People who are growing to look like Jesus more than they look like the priorities and the customs of our world. They are rather transformed by the work of God. And and oftentimes when we talk about moves of God, we just talk about, well, let's change some new method. Now, I'm all about adjusting methods. I think methods are important. Methods are just the way in which we go about what we do. I I think our message never changes. Our mission never really changes. Our methods will change. And, And I think sometimes we get so accustomed to our methods that we often can miss God move. But methods themselves aren't the move of God. Methods just help we facilitate. So, so starting a new program, having a new discipleship course, changing the style of music isn't going to create a move of God. Those are just methods and practicals. I'm all for examining and looking at those things. Like we, we, we're gonna, we do those things often, more often than my staff probably cares, but we look at them often. Why? Because we're always looking to be effective in what we're doing because we want to help bring faith to life for people. We want to see their lives transformed. We, We want to see them move from the radioactive nature of sin and death to the radiant life of the Spirit growing full in them. But we need to be careful not to conflate the two, to, to mix up the two. Well, let's just change some methods, and then we'll see a move of God. No, I think methods can lead to moves of God, but ultimately, when God is moving, God is moving and lives are being changed. How, how do we miss a move of God? Well, radioactive people miss a move of God because they become stubborn, refusing to change. Radiant people see God move because they are being spirit-formed and transformed. We read it a minute ago, Acts 7, verse 51. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth, he says. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and that's what you're doing. You are missing God. See, the... The religious leaders and many of the Jews of their day were missing this new move of God where the Spirit was being poured out and they were attacking the very thing they were actually being called and invited to steward. They, God wanted to move in a fresh way and do a new work and bring about salvation in a whole way and they were rejecting it and attacking it and resisting it and were missing it and it was because of their own stubbornness of heart. Their heart had grown hard and their ears were closed to anything that didn't fit what they wanted to see happen. Anything they couldn't control legalistically and manipulate people they wanted nothing to do with. And there was something that was happening. See, there's a difference between having a hard heart and having a humble heart. And humility is the way in which we see the kingdom of God break in. In fact, that's what Jesus taught us. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to become and have a heart like a little child. Humble, curious, full of wonder, and not arrogance. 
Not full of opinions and ideas. No, no, there's this element of coming. If we want to see God move, we have to walk in surrender rather than control. We have to, 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 to resist the comfort level of our own control and begin to be consumed by the mission that God has us on. I think transformation is needed in our churches today, in our world. And when I say that, I, I do mean here in Faith Church, but I also mean in the Western church, in the American church at large. There is a consumption that we need to have with the mission and the priorities of God rather than a consumption of content and comfort and hearing things that we alone want to hear. There is a move of God that if we aren't willing to change, we will miss God's move. Because when God shows up, he begins to transform people. And if you're living in a place where you're like, you know what, I've grown pretty good, I'm pretty mature in my faith, I've, I've, I've kind of seen it all, I've done it all, I've been around the block a few times, I'm really comfortable, well, but you are resisting any change of any sort, then you better check your heart because you are in danger of growing hard of hearing and having a hard heart. And that can be any of us regardless of age and stage of life. The longer you walk with the Lord, listen to me, the easier it is to grow comfortable where we are rather than continually allowing the Spirit to change who we are. And that's what he's doing and wanting to do in our hearts. How else do we miss a move of God? Well, radioactive people miss a move of God because they are disobedient and they compromise for their own comfort. While radiant people see God move because they become obedient and choose consecration. This is the crux of following Jesus, friends. Look look at Acts 7, verse 53. We read it earlier. Stephen looks at them and says, You have deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hand of angels. In other words, you're seeing amazing things happen. You know the stories of how the law came about. You know how God sent prophets and messengers throughout history to prepare and point the way to the Messiah coming. And you have deliberately disobeyed the ways of God. If you don't know the difference between God's ways and the world's ways, then it's not quite a deliberate disobedience. It's just disobedience and ignorance. But when you know the ways of God and choose not to do them, you are deliberately walking in disobedience and you begin to move towards a life of rebellion. And can I just throw in there, it's so, so important that we understand that rebellion, the Bible says, is sin as of witchcraft. In other words, you open yourself up to the work of the enemy in droves the longer you continue to deliberately disobey the things you know God has said to do or not do. And that's how you refuse to change and miss God's moving in your life. Pastor, what what does it matter? I mean, you got time. Listen, listen, listen. 
if a people goes long enough missing God's desire to move, God and his spirit eventually move on. Just read the warning to the seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation. If you want to miss God move, continually, deliberately disobey the things you know God has come to you. Now, God is patient and working with us as we try to move in his direction. He's not looking for perfection, but he is looking for consecration. He is looking for us to walk in surrender to him. We need to have conviction around truth, not compromise. We need to be doers of the word, not just hearers only of the word. Listen to how James, the brother of Jesus, at least I believe that's who wrote the book of James, says in James 1, 19 through 25, look at these words. He says, under this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. Oh, and here's another one. Slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's the word of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you want to miss a move of God, just keep hearing God's word and never obey it. But if you want to see God move in your life, step towards consecration in your life and say, God, if you said it, I want to believe it and obey it in my life. You will only mature in your faith to the degree that you are willing to obey. And if you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, I just don't really feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like God's speaking anymore. I don't really feel like it's just not feeling the same anymore. Go back and check your obedience level. Because it's a stewardship issue. And if God can't trust you with the word that he's already taught you, why is he going to give you more truth, more revelation, more understanding until you've gone back and obeyed what you know to do? Don't miss God's movement in your life. Don't resist the work of the Spirit to transform you to become radiant people of God. Let's get rid of the radioactivity by simply deliberately disobeying what we know God has said to do. Here's the reality. When we stop practicing our faith, we start pointing the finger of criticism instead. This is what's happening in the text, they are pointing their feet and saying, you're doing it wrong, it's this, and they're getting outraged more and more because they themselves have stopped obeying God's word. If you 
take an inventory of your life and you are complaining, criticizing, and pointing fingers at others more than you are repenting, responding, and obeying, you will find yourself in a place where you are starting to miss God's movement in your life. Just pay attention to how often you complain. Pay attention to how often you point the finger in criticism at others. No, no, no. See, rarely will you find people walking with criticism when they are participating in helping bring about the transformation. But sideline armchair quarterbacks, oh, they know, they're real good pointing out criticism, but they ain't the ones practicing their faith. They aren't the ones playing the game. Sideline Christians, trying to stay off a soapbox, really working real hard. Just you want to point the finger and criticize, but aren't willing to roll up and participate and helping create environments where the Spirit of God can move? Man, let's not become those. Here's the next way. This leads me to the next one. Radioactive people miss a move of God because they choose criticism and rage. Radiant people see God move because they are receptive and repentant. Repentant doesn't mean just being sorrowful. Repentant means you turn and start moving in a new direction. In other words, you start practicing something different. You change your mind about it. Look at Acts 7, verse 54. This is what was happening in this text. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fist at him in rage. Uh, 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 many of translations, and in the original language, it actually talks about they were growling at him. Have you ever been growled out? Like somebody's so angry, they're like, and you're like, whoa, I'm pretty sure I saw a demon manifest, but I'm not like, I don't have a theological box for this. Last year, I started officiating football and basketball. I've seen some growling. From parents who are sitting on the sidelines pointing fingers. Like I've seen it. Like, okay. Like, easy. Okay. I was going to say something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Friends, I think we have to be a, pay attention. Can I, can, I, can I pastor you just for a second? As followers of Jesus, I want you to be keenly aware of something. Every headline in our culture is trying to get you to respond in one of two ways. Fear or outrage. They do not want to inform you. Our world wants you to react and respond. Oh, oh, even in our culture, most of us don't point. <clears throat> oh, I'm going. Yeah, y'all just, we're going to see God move or you're going to move on. Most of us post stuff not for information, but because we're just trying to stir the pot and get people to respond in some way too. Fear or outrage? Fear. 
so that you behave the way they want you to behave. You buy something, you act in a certain way, you do something that helps them control you. Outrage. You get so mad, you start to dehumanize and um, attack someone else, and all you do is partnering with the work of decreation in our world. Hear me, the work of decreation is the work of Satan. As we begin to move towards another thing in our country called an election cycle, can I just warn your heart? If you find yourself acting in fear or feeling afraid or outraged, you're not walking in the spirit you're responding to a different spirit. I'm not saying that there aren't righteous things of truth that we must hold with integrity. I think we have to start distinguishing among the people of God what are primary issues and what are secondary issues. In the church, we have these things that are primary and secondary and when I say primary and secondary, I think that I heard it, heard it framed this way, that there are some things where we need to depart in relationship because there are truths that there are mountaintops that we are going to stake our claim and we will die on this mountain. And then there are other things where we need to decide and debate on and we may come to a different conclusion and we need to be okay in those areas. Because Satan wants us to be deceived and divided. And how we disagree and what we disagree on does matter and impact our own hearts. And we don't want to choose criticism and rage like radioactive people who miss God move. We want to be the radiant people of God who see are receptive and are repentant in our own ways as well. Things like the resurrection that's an essential. If you want to not believe in the resurrection, that's fine, but that's a mountain I'm dying on. I believe it to be true. I, I, I am on that mountain, and I am willing to allow a relationship to part because that's an, that's an essential. Now, if you're trying to figure it out and you're exploring and you're trying to understand it, man, I've, I've got all the grace in the world with that. But if you've come to a conclusion that says Gee, the resurrection didn't happen and it won't happen, man, that's, that's, that's a bummer. When it comes to the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ, those are, those are, those are depart and, and die on mountains. Things in the creed. We believe in one Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, right? Like these things that we say of our beliefs that are core and essential, those are key components that we, we, we can't... Um, we can't afford to walk... Like, like there's an agreement on that. And where there are disagreements that are secondary issues like theories of the atonement. There's seven different theories in scripture that people have articulated as to how the atonement occurred. I, I think those are de debate and decide on things. Is it Christ is victorious? Is it um, the, the ransom theory? Is it the, um, the penal punishment? Uh, was it a substitutionary atonement? Like what, what's the theory? 
I think the fact that the atonement happened and it matters to us is the essential. How God has applied it in a legal sense, I'm less concerned, and I think it's a secondary issue. We don't have to divide over that. We can decide and debate and have ongoing discussions on it. That's, that's great. Uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. I, got, I, I think that's one that we can debate and decide and there are people who love Jesus following him faithfully on both sides of those theological arguments. That's all right. Like, what color should carpet be? I think we can decide and debate. That's not like divide and die issues on. I think we have to be able to step back and examine these things. I'll give you another one. Women in ministry. This is one for me that I hold really dear. I do have some strong convictions on, but they are not divide and die, depart, kind of relational issues for me. We have a way in which we're approaching some things in our church and champion some things, some convictions that we hold that other people who love God deeply would like, no, you can't have women preach. Well, I, I disagree. We can debate and we can decide. And if it becomes a first primary issue for you, I'm really sorry. It's not for us. You can have a different view and still worship and gather here. It's, it's really okay. What we're not looking to do is grow critical and start arguing and pointing fingers and dehumanizing and demeaning other people and participating in an act of decreation because of how you vote, how you think, how you... Like, there are some real important issues that we're holding true. And there are other issues that I think are just de debate, decide, and there's some valid things and points to consider on both sides of arguments. Right? Like, I'm okay with those things. I think we have to walk with humility. Otherwise, we will miss a move of God because God will not come in a place of division, but he will come in a place of unity. He will come in that place, and he does move in those areas. Putting someone else down doesn't build you up. We can talk about ideas without attacking people. Because in dehumanizing and demeaning other people, we only find ourselves on the side of division. And people who live in a place of division all the time, hear me, miss God moving. But when we walk with repentance and change and renewal, oh, we can see God we can see God move. Here's the last one. Radioactive people miss a move of God because they harbor resentment. Radiant people of God see God move because they release forgiveness. The word forgive doesn't mean reconcile. The word forgive means you release them. Ultimately, you're releasing them to God and his judgment rather than you and your judgment. If you want to stop a move of God in your life, start harboring resentment. And the life of God will get choked out quickly. It will sour. Same thing with criticism. You start criticizing and getting really critical, your heart grows hard, and you'll stop up and suffocate the move of God in your life too. Unforgiveness, hear me, 
keeps the grace of God at a distance in your life. And you deeply need the grace of God in your life. And I desperately need the grace of God in my life. Acts 7, verse 60, listen. He was being killed. Stones were being thrown at him, bleeding out on his knees. And Stephen fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. I wonder where he heard that. Father! Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Our Savior had to deal with resisting resentment in his own heart as he had his life taken in the hands of another. Father, forgive them. They don't don't know what they're doing. You want to stop a move of God in your life? Start growing bitter and unforgiving towards other people. It's not that hurt isn't real. It's not that the pain isn't real. It's not that people don't say things that you want to just slap them into next week because they do. It's not the pain and the abuse, whether it be sexual, emotional, verbal, physical, It's not that that's not real. Oh, it is. Forgiveness doesn't even remove the pain. But it does begin the process of finding healing and forgiveness or freedom. And if you want your heart to be transformed, if you want your life to be transformed and see God move, forgiveness is, hear me, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You cannot receive forgiveness when you are holding unforgiveness in your hands. You can only carry one or the other. And if you want to stop a move of God, start being offended by everything and everybody. You want to stop God's movement in your life? Start growing in resentment and bitterness and just feed it and watch your heart and your life and your soul get more and more toxic. You want to know when bitterness is evident? Pay attention to your words because you're getting critical. You want to know how criticism starts growing? It's because you stop practicing what you do and you've deliberately decided not to obey what God has said and your heart has grown hard. Do you see how all of these apply and are linked together to our hearts? This is why Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us as we forgive our debtors those who are indebted to us those who have wrecked up charges of guilt against us release 
them in forgiveness. Friends, I don't want you to miss God's move. I don't want to miss a move of God in my own life and among us. So let's move and allow the Spirit to transform us to the radiant people. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Do you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and take a minute and... Do you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Are there some things that you've grown complacent in and just made compromises and you're deliberately disobeying some things that God has said to you to not do? Are there areas of unforgiveness and resentment that you've been holding on to and today you want to release those? Just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit and then respond in any way appropriate to him today. Father, we've taken a moment here just to reflect on your word. Lord, we want to be doers of your word, not just people who hear it and be like, oh, that's good. But we want it to be something that impacts and transforms how we live on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, not just how it inspires us in the moment on a Sunday. God, as a church, we want to make room. I want to make room for you, Holy Spirit, to move and to come in power and might and bring your presence. And though we don't want to be the reason why you aren't moving here. Though we want to be receptive and repentant. So Lord, help us take the steps today. Help us take steps towards consecration today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, before we read our blessing, can I just encourage you? Maybe the Lord is really working something you know is happening kind of in your heart today. Would you not leave, but rather move over to the prayer spot when we dismiss and let our team pray over you and with you? Let's not be in such a race to get out that we miss the movement of God in our life today and respond appropriately in those ways. Maybe the Lord wants you to take a step and join a group or sign up for water baptism or something. Man, we'd love to help you to do that as we go. But let's be radiant people of God who embrace and pursue and see God's movement. Amen? Hey, let's speak blessing over one another. It's on the screen, nice and loud today. Ready, go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. 
You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.